Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. morning. We are Jim and Meg Thacker, as Pastor Kevin said, and we are missionaries to Africa, serving in the country of Madagascar. Many of you may be familiar with Madagascar because of the three animated movies, right? Madagascar 1, 2, and 3. You know, King Julian, move it, move it, that guy and all of that that goes on. Well, Madagascar is an island country that is located 250 miles off the southeast coast of Africa. And uh, Madagascar is an extremely needy country, as according to the World Bank and the World Food Program, Madagascar is one of the top three poorest countries in the world, which uh, they classify as having extreme poverty, which means that 76% of everyone that lives in their country exists on less than $1.90 a day. That's the kind of poverty in Madagascar. But it's also a very spiritually needy country, as the people of that nation are bound by several demonic religions, such as animism, where the people worship the spirits of their dead ancestors through the medium and control of witch doctors. And also because of the negative influence of Islam, which is being spread throughout the island of Madagascar by Muslim groups and is growing very rapidly. And because of these things, Madagascar is a very spiritually dark place where the majority of the people are spiritually lost and we have some people groups that are totally unreached and unevangelized having no access to the gospel. And God has called my wife Meg and I to address these needs through helping to raise up and train leaders to be equipped, to be effective, to go and evangelize the lost, make disciples, and to plant churches in the unreached and the strategic areas of Madagascar. As a result of this, in the last three and a half years, over 22 new churches have been planted. Amen. Give God the glory for that. And some of them in the Muslim areas because we are not waiting for the Muslims to bring their message to us. We are taking Jesus and his love to all the people of the earth, including the Muslim people in the country of Madagascar. And these new churches represent many lost people who are receiving Jesus Christ and their lives are being transformed. And uh, all that we are doing in Madagascar is only possible because of people and churches just like this one who are willing to help us by partnering with us in three specific areas. One, because we always need new and increase a monthly financial support to help us meet our increasing need for our work budget. We also need prayer because Meg and I believe that prayer moves the hand of God, and God moves the world. So as God's people pray, great things can be accomplished for helping to extend and build his kingdom around the world, and specifically in the country of Madagascar. We also need 
cash offerings for our visionary church planting project. <laughs> for you see, we have a vision of helping the churches that are being planted to grow by building new church buildings that we call tabernacles. And it cost us $7,500 to build each new church tabernacle, which will seat approximately 300 people. Now, I know you can't build a building for that in the United States. That will seat 300 people. But our, this program is heavily subsidized so that we can help get churches built around the world, and specifically in Madagascar. And it is our goal in the next four-year term to build another 20 new church tabernacles while we are there. We already have built 22 since 2014, but our goal in the next four years is to build an additional 20. For this goal to be realized, we need your help. We need visionary supporters like Gideon's visionary army of 300. How many ever heard of Gideon before in the Bible? Gideon, God surrounded Gideon through a process of elimination with an army of 300 visionary supporters to help him fulfill the vision of bringing deliverance and salvation to the nation of Israel. We are also asking for 300 visionary people and churches to join hands with us and our ministry by giving a one-time cash gift of $500 or more each, which will become a part of the 7,500 needed for each church so that we can continue our vision of raising up leaders who can bring evangelism and church planting and spiritual transformation to the people of Africa. So will you please help Meg and I continue to build the church in Africa by supporting our ministry on a monthly basis and by becoming one of those visionary 300. Thank you and God bless you for allowing us to share our heart, our passion, and our vision with you today. Well, I'm going to transition now over to the ministry of the Word. But before I start, how many of you have found that uh, this year, 2020, has been full of challenges? How many of you have found that to be true? Wow, that's the greatest understatement of the whole day, isn't it, right there? Well, you know what? I have found wherever a challenges abound, God is always in the midst and God is on the move to give victory because with God, nothing shall be impossible. And this is a time when I believe that God is wanting to do new things and great things in and through our lives individually and corporately through the church. By example of that, we have our three daughters. Our youngest daughter, Jessica, was told her whole adult life that she could never have children because of two physical issues that she has inside her body. And she went into marriage with her husband, assuming that they could never have children. But I always told my daughter, leave room for God. Because there's that, that Jesus factor that changes, can change everything. So don't assume what is today is the way it will be tomorrow. Because with God, all things are possible. So in January, I was struggling in prayer about this with God. How many of you ever struggled in prayer over your children before? And I was struggling in prayer over my daughter with God. And I said, God, I, I know what the doctors are saying, and doctors are good. They know what they're talking about. They work in the realm that they understand. But there's the realm that they don't understand. That's what I'm appealing to now. I'm asking you to do what no one else can do and give my daughter a child. And in January, God spoke to me, not in word, but in my spirit. 
and said, Jim, this year, your daughter will have a baby. And so I said, well, Lord, my daughter's not going to receive this if I tell her this, but I believe you can do it. And in March, my daughter called me and she said, Dad, you are not going to believe it. And I said, before she could say, you're pregnant, aren't you? And she goes, how did you know that? Because with God, all things are possible. Now, my daughter has a very interesting situation. I can't go into all the details. Everything was against her ever having a child. She became pregnant. The doctors and a specialist was assigned to her and told her, you'll never, never carry this baby to term. You're going to lose this child. And at the end of it all, and, and, uh, and the, the nine months almost, it was at eight and a half months, the doctors told her, if you can make it to eight and a half months, we will take this child. And at eight and a half months, she carried that baby all the way against every odd. And even both doctors told her she'd never make it. And at eight and a half months, they did a cesarean and pulled that baby out. And that baby is healthy and growing beautifully and is a testimony to the miraculous healing power of God against everything. So my word, amen, give God the glory. My word to you today is don't accept the circumstances, the challenges, and the things the way they appear to be right now. But be a people that say with God, and I'm believing God to do great things in my life. Let's move into 2021 with that anticipation and just see what wonderful things that God will do for us. Amen? Well, that wasn't my message at all, hallelujah, but... uh, It kind of leads into where I'm going. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me today to Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and verses 17. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and verses 17. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, one of my favorite two verses in the entire Bible. Literally, in these two verses, hinge the entire gospel of Romans, hinges on these two verses. And the Protestant Reformation hinged on this verse, 17. These two verses have impacted the church in ways beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And I'll begin reading, and again, the words of the Apostle Paul. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I'm going to ask Pastor Kevin if he would pray and ask God's blessing on this message and the messenger of the hour. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Jesus, we thank you that you are alive and well. We thank you that you are the God of all power. Uh, Nothing is lacking from your hand. So we pray that as this message comes forth, you would, not only, um, you would not only speak to our hearts, but you would infuse it with the power of the Holy Spirit that's able to bring change to our worlds and the world around us. And uh, we thank you for a chance to hear your word. Amen. Amen. Can I ask you to do us a favor? Do us, Kevin. I, I, I know I don't want to take too long from your sermon, but I remember you telling a story one time about fire hitting, Pentecostal fire hitting the yes. church. Yes, yes. Would you mind somehow in the sermon throwing that sermon story in there? I, I was listening to this, you tell, and I remembered you told that story, and I love that story. I'll try to work it in. Right. Nothing like a fire story in the middle of winter in uh, North Ridgeville. 
Hallelujah. Well, we live in a time when people are searching to hear a message of hope. And I believe you're, you have a great online audience, and I think part of the reason they're listening, Pastor Kevin, because they're searching to hear a message of truth and hope, a message that will give them an assurance of a better future and a positive life change. The Apostle Paul presents such a powerful message of hope and life change in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 when he declares, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Paul was not ashamed because he knew from experience that the gospel has great power to save and transform lives and to move us into a positive relationship with God in a way that we could not have any other. And in these verses, Paul reveals two reasons for why the gospel is the power of God. And through these verses, it also helps us to understand why the church needs to engage in missions to help take this powerful gospel to everyone in the entire world. The first reason for why the gospel is the power of God is because, as Paul says, it brings salvation and spiritual transformation to everyone who believes. The Bible tells us that God loves everyone and wants everyone to have a personal uh, relationship with him. But for this to be possible, man must first come to know the Lord. He must know what it means to be saved, those who will believe. As Paul confirms in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, for it is God our Savior who wants all people, everybody say all, all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And in verse 16, we find the apostle Paul is telling us that the gospel has such great power that it can draw or bring in people to the realization of their need of Jesus Christ for salvation. That is the power of the gospel. How else could people be changed if the power of the gospel could not draw them and help them to understand their need for God? And But for everyone to have the opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ to be saved, then the gospel must first go to and be preached to everyone in the entire world, as Jesus makes abundantly clear in the Great Commission text of Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, and Mark 16, 15, that it is God's intentional plan that the gospel of Jesus Christ go to the ends of the earth, to every tribe, to every nation, and to especially the unreached people groups of the world. According to the Joshua Project, there are 10 unreached people groups in the country of Madagascar. And I believe that God wants the church to prioritize taking the gospel first to the people groups of the world who have never had the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus Christ for the very first time. We can reach the unreached if we do it together. I'll give you an example of that by a story from Madagascar. 
I get to the privilege of raising up leaders in five different training, pastoral training centers and schools, spiritual leadership in Madagascar. One of our schools we have there, I do not run, but I teach in it, I facilitate it, but I do not operate it, is called our Church Planter Training School. And that school is specifically targets going into these unreached areas of Madagascar, preparing men and women to do cross-cultural ministry in areas of different religion, different language, different culture, and to uh, evangelize the lost and to plant the church there. One of the men that graduated from that school, his name is Pastor Nestor. Now, Pastor Nestor is my kind of guy because he's like a special forces operator in the spirit. And you have to understand that's my kind of guy because I was special forces in the United States Army and I love people with that kind of stupid attitude to go in and take it no matter the cost. I like those kind of people. And he was that kind of guy because he wanted to go where the gospel had never gone. He wanted to go where people were resistant to receive the message. And he wanted to go to a difficult place. How many know that makes for a really bad combination when you put those three together? And our leaders of the school found the perfect place for him to go was to one of those 10 unreached people groups in an area far in the northeast region in the mountains of Madagascar, an area that's impossible to get to. There's no roads. You cannot even fly a helicopter into this area. It is remote. He took his wife and his son, and they went into that area, and he began to preach the gospel. He began to preach the gospel, and God began to bring salvation as the powerful gospel was preached. Children began to receive Jesus Christ as he began to share the message of Jesus, and then mothers began to receive Jesus Christ. Finally, the chief of all the villages of that area sent a messenger to, to Pastor Nestor, and the messenger told him, we don't want you to be here. We didn't invite you to come. And we do not want you to stay. We want you to take your family and your message and leave now while you still have the chance. This is a warrior race of people. They're animus. They worship the spirits of their dead ancestors. So, I mean, this is like a totally all-in demonic religion, okay? So you expect evil to be there. But he didn't know how hard this was going to be. But he told the messenger... That's, I cannot leave because someone of higher authority than your chief asked me to come here and to share this message. And until he tells me to leave, I cannot go. Well, he went on preaching the gospel and other people began to receive. Finally, a man accepted Jesus and that was it for the chief of the area. He called his warriors together. He told them, get your weapons and go and dispatch that pastor, his wife, and his son so that everyone will get the message we do not want people coming here preaching Jesus. One of the mothers overheard what was going on, sent her daughter and, and warned Pastor Nestor, please go away, take your wife and your child and run while you have the chance before the warriors come. Pastor Nestor, though, being trained the way he was, he prayed and asked God, what should I do? And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, stand your ground. Do not leave, and, this is, and when you see the warriors coming, this is all I want you to say, in the name of Jesus. Nothing else, just that. So Pastor Nestor stood his ground, his wife behind him, their son in his, her arms, and there came the warriors and a big crowd of people behind them. This was like, you know, a showdown at the OK Corral. 
was getting ready to take place. And Pastor Nestor, he told me, I've, I've actually interviewed him twice to make sure I got the story exactly right. He said, I was scared, I'll tell you, missionary. I didn't know what was going to happen. And what, what, he said, what happens if God was, you know, hung up in a conversation with somebody? Or what if he was, you know, he's busy at the moment and, and, and he didn't hear my words? What am I going to do? And uh, he stood there and about when... Uh, when the person got about where you're sitting right there, he, saw, he raised his hand and said, in the name of Jesus. And when he did, all the warriors, whoo, they all hit the ground. You know, Benny Hinn wasn't there that day. It was just a miracle of God. They all fell down because God's word is more powerful than the word of man. When the chief heard the result, all the people, when they saw what happened, ah, they ran away because they thought, oh, my God, it's a killing field. They ran. They weren't dead. They were just knocked down by God. Remember what happened to Jesus when they came to take him away and take him to the cross? What happened? He said, we're looking for Jesus. Here I am. Boom. They all fell down. So the chief called him in, and the chief said, I, I, I perceive that your God is more powerful than my warriors. So this is how, what we're going to do. We're going to let you stay here and you can preach this message. Huh? Today, we have a church planted among an unreached people group because the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation even to those who don't want it, to everyone who believes. And additionally, the gospel is the power of God because not only does the gospel bring salvation, but it also transforms people's lives. How many know the people of Madagascar are desperate to have their lives in their society to be changed and transformed by the power of the gospel, which is evidenced by the fact that underage children are being trafficked for prostitution and sexual exploitation in the country of Madagascar on a regular basis, much of it by their own family, their own parents. And not only that, but we have entire areas of Madagascar that are given over to lawlessness, which the government calls the red zones. In these zones, these areas are not completely controlled by the police or by the army, but are terrorized by thieves and bandits and desperados who are called the Dalu. And the Dahalu, their only desire is to steal, rob, and to kill people. These are wicked, evil. They're like Madagascar's version of the mafia. And the police cannot stop these people, and these people are taking over patches of Madagascar all across the country. And it's a terrible thing. The people of Madagascar absolutely hate and fear these people. But I want you to understand something this morning. The gospel has such great power that can, it can even transform evil and wicked people like the Dahalu. And specifically, a man named Andu. Andu was raised in a very poor and bad home life in the country of Madagascar. He admired the Dahalu and wanted to become like them. Because one, they had possessions, he did not. They had power, he did not. 
and they had control over people's lives. And Andu decided to join them and began to raise up through the ranks very quickly as a leader in that movement. But the people of Madagascar constantly begged the police and the army to do something to try to stop or control. They don't want their daughters raped. They don't want their husbands killed. They don't want their lice. They're so poor to start with and have what little they have taken away. They pray and ask God for help. One day, Andu and his people were operating in a certain area of Madagascar. And then the uh, police put out what you and I would call a sting operation. And when they closed the net... That day, Andu was captured, and he was thrown into a prison. And when he got there, even the other prisoners wanted nothing to do with him because he was Dahalu. That's all you had to say. Everybody hates Dahalu. So he was, though he was not in a maximum security cell, he was isolated by himself. But as God would have it, none of our pastors who graduated from our Bible school went into that area and planted a church. And he felt the Lord burdening him to start a prison ministry. And he went into the prison and found this one guy all by himself. And nobody was ever talking to him. And he went to him and said, why, why are you all by yourself? And Andu told him, I'm Dahalu. That would explain everything to any Malagasy. But our pastor was stubborn. And he didn't care about what a person was. He was looking and believing that through Jesus, what a transformed life could be like. So he began to make a friend out of Andu, and he began to share with him the love of Jesus Christ and what God could do to change and transform his life. He gave him a Bible. He spent hours talking with him, and Andu listened to him because he had no one else to talk to anyway. So he listened. And because of God's relentless love, I mean, no, God never gives up. I mean, no, God's love constantly comes after us because God is a seeker of the lost and a transformer of lives. And God kept working through the power of the Holy Spirit on Andu, through the transforming power of the gospel. And eventually one day, Andu gave his life to Jesus Christ. When Andu got saved, I want you to know his life was radically transformed. He immediately began to want to tell all the other prisoners about what Jesus had done for him. The trouble was, Andu was Dahalu, and Dahalu never know how to do anything easy. They do it the hard way. They're rough. They're mean people. So he would grab prisoners and tell them, Jesus loves you. And you know, it's like, if that's love, I don't know that I want anything. Anyway, the prisoners hated him. They were more scared of him now as a Christian than they was as Dahalu, because when he was Dahalu, he left them alone, but now as a Christian, he won't leave them alone. They asked the, pris- they asked the warden of the prison to release him, get him out of here, send him anywhere, just get him away from us. And they did. They released him from prison. Now, if you ask the government, they'll tell you they released him because in their minds, once you are Dahalu, you never change. It's like the mafia. Once you're in, you don't get out. And so they knew if they released him and they could send spies and track where he went to and he would go back and find the other leaders and then they could swoop in with a mighty army force and shoot them all at one time and try to get rid of them. But Andu fooled him. You know where he went when he was released? He came to our Bible school. Yeah. Yeah. He said, I want to come to Bible school and learn how to evangelize the lost without scaring people to death. So I want to learn how to make disciples. I want to learn how to plant churches and help people instead of hurting people. 
Three years later on the day of graduation, the government of Madagascar, what you would call the Department of Corrections, we call the Ministry of Prisons, they came, the minister himself and all the government attache with him to see, could it really be possible that a Dahalu could be transformed or changed? And they stood there in the graduation watching him raising his hands in worship, watching him go to the front and sing songs about the love of God, watching him receive his diploma and be ready to go out and become a pastor. And so finally the minister asked that he could speak. And he got up on that day and he looked at the audience. Over 2,000 people were there that day. And he looked at him and said, this is what our reform programs can do in Madagascar. And that's exactly what all 2,000, they laughed him to scorn because they knew that he was not changed, Andu was not changed by some sort of reform program. He was transformed from the inside out by the power of the name of Jesus Christ that comes through the gospel that is preached. Today, he's planted a church and Andu's out helping the people he used to hurt. Friends, if God could do that, to a man like Andu, who is beyond God's grasp here in the North Ridgeville, west side of Cleveland area? God can save and transform people totally and powerfully through the power of Jesus' name. Amen. When we were missionaries in the country of Zimbabwe, and this is what Pastor Kevin was talking about, we were uh, over, I was over all of the southern part of the country doing church planting helping with raising up pastors. And we had been asked to go down and, and uh, be a part of a national youth convention. We were the speakers for the national youth convention. And the theme that year was on the power of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And my wife and I went to this place. It was about a 17-hour drive to get there. And it was in the middle of no place, no place. If you thought you were at the ends of the earth, you needed to go another 25 miles to get to where I was, no place. And we went out, there was no electricity in this area, no running water in this area, but they're having a national, I, couldn't, I couldn't fathom in my mind why you'd want to have a national youth convention in a place like that. But here we were, and my wife and I arrived about 7 o'clock at night because the drive was much longer than the roads were so bad. We didn't, if you would call those roads that we were driving on. And when we got there, we had a quick meal, and then we went to the service, and then they, God, Pastor Kevin, you just, you got to love Africa. You got to love Africa, adoration and worship and praise, because here we are, 730, they start worshiping, and four hours later, they stop worshiping. And I'm dead. I mean, I am just, I'm done. I turned to my wife, and I said, Meg, this is going to be the shortest sermon on the Holy Spirit they ever heard in their life. And so I get up at 1130 at night to begin to preach. <laughs> and I shared my message, and uh, I called people forward to be prayed for, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, as I began, to, I was just praying. I had one of some of our Bible school students with us. Everywhere I travel, I take Bible school students with me so they can see it, not just hear what it is, but see it, observe it. And uh, I was there, and, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit kind of spoke to my heart and said, Jim, I, I just walk. It's late. I'm tired. Quite honest, I'm just being real honest. I was tired. And I walked. The Holy Spirit said, just walk to the end of the platform, raise your hand, and pray in the name of Jesus. Now, this is going to sound like Pastor Nestor's story, but it had nothing to do with Pastor Nestor. And I went there and I said, in the name of Jesus, 
And I do not know what happened, but a wind blew into that church from this side and went across that building. And every single person who was at the front fell down. Now, I'm not advocating falling down. That's not what I'm advocating, but it is what happened. And then it didn't stop, but they were sitting on rocks and on little pieces of wood and people sitting there. The Holy Spirit kept moving and knocking them over off of their seats. They were onto the ground and it just kept going and kept going and kept going until it reached to the very back. Everybody in that group was knocked over on the ground. Whether they were sitting, whether they were standing, it made no difference. And my Bible school student came to me and said, what's going on? I said, don't ask me. I'm not in charge of this. <laughs> I'm not running this show here today, my friend. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm on the ride with you. You just watch what happens. What we didn't know was, what we didn't understand, and this is no electricity. There are no lights, all right? The only light they had was little, little lanterns that they had lit. And the people down below, and we were up on a hill, and the people down below in the valley saw fire began to shoot out the windows of the building while this was going on. And they thought for sure that the people of God are going to burn to death in that building. So everybody started getting buckets of water and sand, and they started heading up the mountainside to get to where the church building was so they could save people, pull them out, and throw that on the fire to stop it because it was coming out the windows. Now, I never saw that. Meg never saw that either. These were the people of the community down below. And as they came up... The caster cattle, as they came up to try to put the fire, as soon as they touched the threshold of the building, every one of them would fall on the ground. The sand and water would go flying everywhere, and, and they'd just be on the ground. My wife and my daughter was there with me, and they started pulling people out of the way so other people could come up and fall down. And, uh, and this went on. This just kept going on. The fire of God shooting out the windows of the building. People under the power of God. My friends, that's something that only God can do. But God does do. That's my point. Let's quit putting God in a box. Let's quit telling God what he can and cannot do. And let's let God be God. We can no more make that event happen than we could try to make it continue to happen. That was a sovereign move of God. And God is sovereignly moving amongst us today. No, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And to ensure that this powerful gospel goes to everybody in the entire world, God is raising up missionaries, people just like you, who are willing to answer God's call to go to the lost and the unreached in this world. Now, this church has been a missions, missionary sending church. I know at least two or three have gone to the mission field from this church directly. And I can tell you they have a heart for missions. This, miss great, this great pastoral couple have a heart for mission. We have been supported since you had a missions program. We have been supported by this church, and we are thankful to you, Pastor Kevin and Robin, and to this church. But my friends, my point is this. God is still calling. And if God is calling you to be a missionary, I encourage you to be willing to answer God's call to go. Some of what you heard me tell today, while we don't control it and we don't have no way of making it happen, God does. And when you're on the cutting edge of where evangelism is happening, God has a way of showing up in power. 
to cultures that believe in ancestor worship and worshiping them. How I many know God's going to demonstrate his power more glorious? You want to see those kind of things happen? Come to us. We'll take you and you'll have an adventure of a lifetime. Why am I telling you this? Because God is calling people still today to be missionaries. And we encourage you to answer that call. And also, God is still calling people and churches to help make it possible for missionaries to be able to fulfill what God is asking them to do. Together, we make a powerful team. And we can reach the unreached if we do it together. Pastor Kevin, will you come? Will you please continue to help Meg and I to raise up leaders who can build the church in Africa and to help us reach Madagascar with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, and God bless you today. Stay up here with me, if you would. Okay. Thank you. Now, I ask you to share that story on purpose, and I heard the Nestor story before as well, and I, uh, I, I ask for these stories on purpose. The reason I ask for these stories is most of us live, ask to share about your daughter as well, great storyteller, but the stories aren't stories that are made up, they're stories that are true. All right, so I know this guy's integrity. I've known him for years and years. I know the people that know him, the people who work with him. He's not making this stuff up. This stuff happens. Some of us never see that stuff happen in our lives. You know why we never see God's power? Because we don't trust him, right? So if nothing else, what I want you to hear today is an encouragement, a little bit, if you will, a cattle prod. <laughs> I invited a cattle prod to church this morning to tell you, to tell you, there's more power in this gospel than most of us live. If you are not living, and I'm not living in the power of the gospel, today would be a good day to step into it, wouldn't it? Wouldn't today be a good day? Wouldn't today be a good day for you to say, okay, God, I've lived for this life and I'm empty. Can you give me the real deal now? I'm not just talking about believing for salvation. I'm talking about a lot of us that call of ourselves believers. And we just sort of halfway do this. What if we sold out? What if we decided I'll follow Jesus all the way? What if we said, you know what, God? I'll do whatever you want me to do, whenever and however you want me to do it. What if we decided to step in? Father God, I'm one. I'm asking you that you would receive my effort and my offer. Would you take me into the next level of your power and your goodness? We got a world that's living in craziness and fear. We've got a world that's living in bondageness, bondage and hopelessness and anxiety. We've got a world living in depression and anger and hatred, and we've got a world living in division. Would you show us how to be a people of power in the name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus, I open my heart to be a person of power. And God, in this room, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the, the message of power, truth of power. I pray others in this room right now, we just step in. In the name of Jesus, give us your power. Fill us with your power. 
Purify our hearts, purify our lives, purify us now and use us to build your kingdom. Fill us with that Holy Spirit and power and use us to build your kingdom. We turn our hearts towards you. Now, Father, we pray for Jim and Meg as they endeavor to reach the world with the good news of Christ. God, I've been to Madagascar, I've driven those roads, I've walked those dusty streets. I've seen the people there and I know the oppression. And God, I know that you are bigger than that. And I pray that you would raise up Jim and Meg with the supernatural anointing of the Holy Spirit to infuse power into these Bible college students to give vision and direction to students. And God, I pray that there would be a new Pentecostal revival upon them and that lives would be changed and that the power of the gospel would go into Madagascar and lives would be delivered and that God, hopelessness would be replaced with your power and your love and your hope. And that God, you would do these things in the name of Jesus. Anoint them, God, with the supernatural divine power. Give them your provision that every one of these tabernacles would be built. God, give them your supernatural abundance in every way so that every need would be met and that the power of the Holy Spirit would be manifested through them. And God, would you put your hand of protection on them as they travel and they go from place to place and they eat things I don't even want to name. God, would you show them that you are the God who protects them and keeps your hand upon them. We thank you, Lord, for this and we thank you for this grandbaby. Let this grandbaby that's a miracle be raised up to be a life-giving source for generations to come. And God, would you do these things in the name of Jesus? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Come on. I I just think we ought to we ought to sing this song.